then you know that you are going more towards an account tenure path, meaning you're understanding your client's business as if it's your business. everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for today, we have another accountant that started their career in accounting, got into more of a tech field, software as a service specifically, and now serves the accounting community using all that knowledge that he gained. Hatindra Patil joined us for today's episode, and Hatindra is with Accountants World, a SaaS solutions company, once again, software as a service for the accounting profession. And in addition, he's been listed among the top 100 most influential people in accounting for several years in a row now. I asked Katindra on the show in order to discuss both the state of client accounting services as well as the vital skills and and really the mindset that those that want to be successful accounting entrepreneurs should possess. There again, if they want to be successful. We definitely had a very worthwhile conversation. I really enjoyed this one from a personal perspective also. So I think you're going to enjoy this episode as well. If you do learn something from this episode and you yourself have an entrepreneurial flair, but you don't have much experience in tax and that's something that you'd like to get up to speed on, please check out our classes. We do several things, but one of them is we provide a course specifically for entry-level accountants or accountants without much tax experience that mimics an internship. Basically, you get CPA firm level experience through taking our individual individual tax bootcamp. And now we have it available on demand. So please check that out on our website at mgrar.com under classes. Well, as always, also, if there's anything that I personally can do for you in the, the realm of careers, if you need to have a discussion, please reach out to me as well. I'm very findable on LinkedIn. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA and I'll pop right up. Well, speaking of all that, I think it's about time for us to get started with today's interview. Here's Hitendra Patil, from Accountants World. Well, hello, Hitchindra. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mark. So a uh, great pleasure to be with you. Thank you for reaching out. And I'm excited to share whatever I know. Wonderful. I'm really looking forward to this as well. Mm-hmm. Well, for the audience, today we have another individual that's been listed in the top 100 most influential people in accounting for several years now. We've had one or two others from that list, but it's been a long, long time. And Hachindra Patil is joining us today, and he's actually been on the list for several years. Hachindra is with Accountants World, and I invited him on the show because of another podcast interview I heard where he was discussing what it means to be an accountant which is a term I'm actually going to let him better define for us a little later in the show. But if you have any kind of entrepreneurial streak yourself or or you think you may want to pursue self-employment at some point in the future, this episode definitely going to be valuable for you. Well, Hitendra, before we get deep into that part of the discussion, let's start with your own earlier career background. What did you study in school early on and what were your first few jobs like? I was very much interested in human behavior science. And while I was studying the actual science, I did master's in science, I did my MBA in finance. 
But when I was going to the library, I was going and reading books on uh, human behavior. So those two were my foundations in my education time. And the first job I took was in investment accounting uh, with uh, India's largest uh, uh, private company. Uh, so I was in India at that time. Then I moved across the world. And then I moved into hedge fund accounting. That is a pretty complex kind of accounting. And ultimately, I landed up in uh, professional accounting, and that is working with professional accountants. So I did a lot of back office processing work through my company, and uh, that was working only with accounting firms. So we did all sorts of work in terms of you know, bookkeeping, accounting, analytics, uh, CFO insights, uh, financial statements, tax preparations, payrolls, and things like that. So I got a lot of uh, insights into how accountants run their firms, what is the work that they deliver, how does that work impact uh, the clients and should impact rather. And uh, then I moved into uh, SaaS software field in accounting profession, and that's how I landed up at Accountants World. And uh, Accountants World is a company that produces solutions only for professional accountants, and in turn. If the accountants want, they can give access to their clients. So that's that's in a nutshell about my little background. Okay. Yeah, if you don't mind, I, I am mm. curious, because I mm. think some of our listeners may be, how did you make the jump from hedge fund accounting into the SaaS world? <laughs> how, uh, how did that good question. come up? Yeah, good question. You know, hedge fund accounting is really a complex kind of uh, you know accounting work. You're essentially doing a lot of accounting for investments again. But at the same time, because hedge funds work across the world, looking at opportunities in several markets, not necessarily just in stock markets, and they need up-to-date real-time information, so you're always on the edge as far as processing information and making sure the investment decision makers have the latest information as to how their investments are working and all that. And it was all possible only because of uh, technology. Without technology, there's no way hedge fund accounting uh, can be done. And that kind of triggered my interest in how does this apply to the business owners or the entrepreneurs who are served by professional accountants? If an investment person needs so much information to make proper investment decisions, shouldn't the entrepreneur be having the same kind of as real-time information as possible so that they can make better business decisions or avoid bad business decisions. Everything comes from this insight from the data and information. And that tilted me towards this uh, accounting plus uh, technology world because ultimately the small business is the backbone of any economy, millions and millions of small businesses. And if they have the power of technology plus accounting or professional accounting insights as quickly as possible, I thought that would make life easier for the entrepreneurs and that potential can be turned into performance. So that made me jump into this technology-driven accounting insights kind of a path. Okay. It sounded like a really interesting opportunity, you know, and, and a, yeah. mm -hmm. a nice transition. So I was just right. curious. I'm sure yep. some of our listeners would be interested in that. So how long have you been at Accountants World now? It's about five years now. And I guess uh, people would want to know what exactly I do. 
when I say yeah. I work with accountants, you know, uh, although it's a software company, people don't buy the software or the product. They buy what they can do with it, right? So that is where the whole focus uh, is in terms of what do I do with uh, these uh, customers that buy our solutions? So essentially what I do is I look at their current firm uh, performance. I look at how the firm owners are looking to change something at their end by going to a new solution that is our solution. Why did they think of that, that, oh, their current solution did not give them what they wanted to do? So essentially what I'm trying to look at is what is the success expectation of the new customers and how do I point them towards some of the key things that are very relevant to their firm, their intent. And I then chart their customer success path. And every firm can be different. The owner's expectations, targets, uh, intents can be different. Their client mix can be different. The industries in which their clients operate can be different. So it's not like a one uh, paint brush painting everybody with the same color. So you've got to customize a bit in terms of how do I direct or guide and nurture the new customers towards achieving their goals in the first place. And two, more importantly, because we work with only accounting professionals, we get to know a lot of insights as a profession. Where is it heading towards? What are the things that are making accountants more successful? What are the things that make accountants feel very challenged and uh, you know sometimes even fail? So we share all of that uh, knowledge and insight with the new customers that we get. And the intent is to make sure that they see the possibilities that they may not have considered. And sometimes there are these aha moments when we are speaking with these accountants and say, oh, I never thought of that. Oh, I'm glad you shared that with me. I should try that and things like that. Hmm. Just, just, you know, so our listeners know as well, and to really Hmm. define it, what all does the accountants world do? (laughs) Accountants World is out-and-outer technology company, a software as a solution company, no desktop solutions, if, if you know what I mean. And if your audience is really younger, they may not even know what a desktop software is because everything is on the cloud now. Everything is on the internet. Everything is apps and websites and softwares hosted on those websites. So we are a software as a service company. We have two core products that are uh, designed for the accounting professional accountants, and that is one is uh, payroll, a very highly automated payroll. So this payroll can be very complex. It sounds like a, a payroll is just writing a check, right? For the employees, mm-hmm. no, it's not. Uh, there's a lot of compliance involved, uh, plenty of deadlines, too many different forms and regulations across different states. All of that needs to be inbuilt into the payroll software. So it's a very complex piece of software to develop but it makes life easier for payroll service providers. That's one part of our solution core solution. The other core solution is the core accounting solution called Accounting Power, and that integrates with payroll relief. So Accounting Power is sold only to professional accountants, and in turn, they can give access to their clients if they want to enter uh, some things like, okay, write a check, enter bills, look at their financials, and things like that, or even do some more work like bill payment online and things like that. So that is another collaborative on-cloud SaaS solution that we have. And around these two core solutions, we have other products like practice management, the cloud cabinet that is hosting and storing the the reports that are generated by these two softwares for each client on separate uh, 
cloud portals that the clients can access, download their reports and things like that. And then we have mobile applications for employees of the clients of accountants to access their own pay stubs, download their W-2s and things like that. So it's a kind of economy that we have created within our solutions. It's like a marketplace, you could call, but only our solutions that are kind of catering to most of the key needs of small business accounting to medium-sized business accounting and uh, their clients and their vendors and their employees. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I have noticed you on that top 100 list several times, mm-hmm. actually, and, mm-hmm. you know, the most influential people in accounting. But really what prompted me this time was I randomly was searching for podcasts and looking mm-hmm. for accounting-related shows, and, and I came across another interview you had done, and you were discussing the concept of an accountant tour. And so mm-hmm. let's talk about that, and, and I'd like if you could define that for us, because I don't want to make any assumptions. Perfect. So let's say uh, you're in business, you're an accounting firm. For a second, wear that hat. Okay, you own an accounting firm. Okay, there are several accounting firms around your office, you know, next door, across the street, in the same zip code, in the same city, hundreds of them. So what is different? You possibly use the same top software that are very popular in the uh, in the industry. So you're going to produce the same kinds of reports that are generated by those softwares. You're probably serving the same kinds of clientele. So you have tax clients, you have businesses as your customers, and you're doing accounting for them, you're doing bookkeeping for them, you're running payrolls for them, you're doing taxes for them, and things like that. So essentially, what they receive from any accounting firm can sound pretty similar. So how do you differentiate in that case? You're probably giving the same kind of experience, same kind of reports, to uh, your clients, whether they go to X account or Y accountant. If it sounds the same, then there is a big challenge because in that case, you are not really impacting their business positively because all that they might be looking at uh, you is to make sure they're on the right side of the law, they're compliant with regulatory requirements. And compliance is a necessity, It's, it's a need, not a want. And in that case, they would want to reduce the cost of that compliance. And hence, you will find price pressures are pretty much uh, there across the industry for all accountants face that. But ultimately, your clients are entrepreneurs, unless you do only taxes for individuals. uh, That's a different story. But if your clients are entrepreneurs, and if you don't understand how they think, and you don't understand their industry, you don't understand how the businesses in their industry become successful or unsuccessful, your ability to advise them in terms of what comes out of the accounting and what are the insights that they should be really caring about, that's what you need to do. And which means you got to be having an entrepreneurial mindset, a viewpoint to look at accounting information as a tool, as a medium for making proper business decisions and making them in time. So which means professionally, if you're educated as an accountant, a CPA, whatever that education is, prepares you for discovering these insights and sharing them with your clientele. 
So you need to be an accountant in the first place and you need to be an entrepreneur uh, by talent, by mindset, by viewpoint and everything. So accountant plus entrepreneur is accountant-tenure. That's what the term that I coined. That's my uh, registered trademark called accountant-tenure. So the difference between normal accountant and accountant-tenure, you know, it can be designed, uh, defined in multiple ways. Let's say you uh, get an accounting degree, then you get your CPA license, and then you go in a job. Then you're just working for somebody else and you're doing defined tasks versus maybe you go into practice. So you create a job for yourself. So you work alone, you're a solopreneur and offering accounting and tax services to the clients that you know you can get through marketing, sales, or whatever. Or you grow and uh, employ some more people, so you create a firm, accounting firm, to provide these services. So now, if you created a job for yourself, that means you're working for yourself, but you're running it as a business, or you created jobs for some other people. So you're technically a business owner, and your business is accounting. And then you're an entrepreneur. So if you did that, if you're doing accounting as a business, then you are an entrepreneur and your business is accounting. So you become an account tenure. Is that kind of okay or do you want me to go a little more? No, that is okay. I would like to go deeper into it because we, we've done shows on selecting a niche, you know, as a way of differentiating yourself. And, and, I, and that has a lot of value. I guess what are some of the other practical ways that you can develop that entrepreneurial mindset and truly differentiate yourself from all the other accounting firms on your block? And what are some of the other practical methods for doing that, Hachindra? Yeah, it's a, it's a quite interesting uh, aspect to discover. It's not easy to really nail it in a day or a month or a year for that matter. But it all starts with uh, that mindset. In terms of not like, okay, I want to do a business. I don't want to work for somebody else. It's not about that. It's about whatever I do, how does it help others become successful? And if you look at any successful business in the entire history of the world, unless somebody made somebody else successful, that person himself or herself did not become successful. So essentially, you, you need to keep that barometer in front of you. What am I doing today? What is it, the process that I'm you know, doing right now? What's the outcome of this? Who's going to use this outcome? How is that outcome going to benefit somebody else? Whosoever is the consumer of that outcome? And how are they going to measure this uh, impact of this outcome that I deliver? So unless you question yourself all the time, look, what I'm doing, if it's not work, I let me not do it. Let me do something that is not worthless from a point of view. Let's say you send a balance sheet to somebody and if that person doesn't even open the balance sheet because all that the person needs to know is, okay, the balance sheet was checked by the accountant, it, it reconciled, so I, I'm compliant, so I have a peace of mind. But if I'm not going to look at those 30 pages, 20 pages, whatever that number is, and uh, you know, derive some kind of a decision criteria from it, some kind of insight or guidance from it, then it's of no use, right? So ultimately, the impact is what you need to look at always. Whatever you do, think of the impact. Impact is not just feelings, it's measurable. Meaning, okay, I gave an insight on inventory, for example, to one of my clients. 
and that was okay the person thought okay the the price of raw, raw materials or ingredients is you know kind of dropping now a little bit it can go up so let me stockpile and i invest in that just on a short term uh, view basis but my sales are not growing my sales are actually stagnating or even slowing down which means what the inventory is going to lie in the goodhouse for maybe 6 months 12 months and all that financing cost is an opportunity cost in terms of interest that you could have earned on that particular money had you not invested that in inventory so it's not about interest cost or opportunity cost comparison it's about you know connecting the dots between the sales and uh, the business decision that the business owner made if your sales not moving you have to focus on that and then you look at okay should i how much inventory will i need if my targeted sales go up all this uh, information and insight technically arises from the accounting data of all the things it's not just in the heads of uh, the client and that is where i i think the connecting the dots with the impacts of what you're telling your clients is very critically important and the more you go into that the more uh, your clients start speaking with you the more you have discussions about their business not just accounting that's how you know that now you got that entrepreneurial spirit embedded into your your mindset the way you function so that's another uh, simple thing to measure if you're an accountant how many discussions are you having with your clients versus how many times you just email them the reports and that balance will tell you whether you're going towards more towards an account tenure path or just like a professional accountant path wonderful wonderful a large part of our audience mm-hmm. is fairly early on in their careers i mean we mm-hmm. we have audience members you know at all points in their careers but we try to target mm-hmm. individuals that are um, you know first five years in their career or even students mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. it's very easy when you start a business an accounting business to just get caught up and focused on compliance and record keeping <laughs> because mm-hmm. yeah. in fact in mm-hmm. a lot of cases that you know, that's mm-hmm. what the client is telling you they need sometimes right. they don't know how to verbalize what they really need the first few years in my career let's say actually I'm still in school how can I better prepare myself what training or what areas should I try to grow in to better prepare myself to be an accountant or mm-hmm. as you define it right so first and foremost uh, you know it's like you decide in your mind somewhere or you know you have that gut feel that look i got to you know create my own accounting firm or accounting business because i started so much i know there is demand basic compliance itself is a necessity so people will be there but how do you get out of that compliance mindset right from the beginning yes you got to know the laws you got to understand how those apply to businesses and what happens in terms of processes reporting and things like that that's a core basic knowledge you got to know that of course without that you cannot become a professional accounting services provider but once you decide that you want to be in business ultimately one day you still need that experience the knowledge that you gain from college and degrees and uh, cpa certifications and all that prepares your foundation but how do you apply that into real practice because then it comes to dealing with people irrespective of how much you know people are going to be asking for what they think is right what they perceive is right or what they perceive should be done needs to be done so sometimes it becomes a conflict you know how do you make sure that your clients understand that look under the law you cannot really do certain things 
where it says, okay, there are provisions that, you know, you need to do X, Y, Z to tide over those challenges. And so these are practical experiences. You definitely need those. You need some kind of an experience to show up when you talk to your prospects. If you start your business, you're getting your first client can be very difficult. Or maybe the client uh, kind of works with you or they know uh, from your website or your social media that you've been talking since. And maybe they just come, hey, I find uh, you, you seem to know something better. I need some information. I need some advice. That could be your first line. Then once you go on your own, the pressure of revenue and profit comes in. So you want to sell as, as much as possible, as fast as possible. And then you exhaust your time available during the day. So you might stretch yourself beyond eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day because there is revenue sitting on the table and you don't want to lose it. And the moment you reach that you know, full-scale kind of a capacity utilization, you have two or three choices. One, to hire somebody and grow your practice or stretch yourself more or not take on more clients because you just cannot cope up with it. So how do you, you know, get over this particular tangle that you got into? Because once you take contracts, and assignments, you got to deliver the goods. Only then you'll get paid. So the whole focus goes on input equal to output. Unless you do that, you're not going to make money. You're not going to get paid. And that can consume you completely, which means now you're you know, working in the business, not on the business. So essentially, my simplest advice always is, you know, work out your capacity in terms of how much you want to work as a solopreneur and then you know, reduce maybe 20% of that time and uh, even revenue. I don't want to go beyond 80% of my capacity uh, because the revenue would be sufficient for me to survive and even you know, make a little more money. If you hire a person, uh, the decision is always going to be, is it part-time, full-time? Will I get talent? And all that stuff. That Those initial days can be difficult. And again, if you just hire a full-time employee just to pay that employee a full-scale salary, you might need to add maybe 20 clients, 10 clients, depending upon how much you charge, which means your sales pipeline has to be enough that you know that in three months, four months' time, I will have enough revenue to pay my staff and yet make some more money on my staff's time and things like that. Those are the equations that you look at. So how do you get over some of these challenges? And obviously, the first thing to do is make sure you are selecting the right technology for your practice for business, accounting business. And uh, that right technology obviously is on the cloud, uh, highly integration possible kind of technology, which means if your client uses some industry-specific software, can it connect to your accounting software and pull the data into it so that you don't have to do the data? And essentially, you're cutting down on your processing time. Automation, integration, Explore all those possibilities. Build your processes around uh, that automation. Even if you don't have that software right now, uh, being aware of what's available in the market, what the possibilities are, design your processes around that from day one. Otherwise, your, if your processes are designed around manual work, then those become practices in the long term, and then it's hard to change. And uh, when you keep your eye on that ultimate possible efficiency gains through technology, you're already you know, working towards it. So essentially what you're doing is minimize your manual work, automate as much as possible, at least plant the seeds for that automation. 
which means now you have more time for doing sales, marketing, putting yourself out there in the market, getting new clients, making sure the clients are following the right effective automated processes so that your per client revenue and profit is uh, pretty much balanced. So profitability will be higher. So you've got to you know, plant all these seeds right up front. Even if you don't do it right from day one, you've got to have that in front of you. And that's how you plan yourself to be effective in your practice. The next thing to do is, this, this was all foundational. The next thing to do is, why do your clients come to you? If it's only for compliance, again, the same story, that if, if you feel that the clients are haggling with price, more likely than not, they are looking at you as a peace of mind agent. That is, oh, I'm compliant. I'm not going to be hassled by the law because my accountant is taking care of it. That could be a vortex to, you know, that can suck you into a never-ending story. How do you uh, change that particular you know, future? So you've got to move towards making sure that you are talking the right things with your clients. Even if your client's not paying you upfront for you know, some of those advices that you think you are capable of delivering because now you understand their industry, you understand the company's trajectory, you kind of figure out, hey, this client did not make these decisions in time or made these business decisions that ultimately created the numbers that I'm seeing, I got to tell that. So explain that to the, the client. Take those 15 minutes extra. You will find the clients will have those aha moments. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh, thank goodness you told me this. What should I do next? The moment they start asking you those questions, how do I do that? You know, those kinds of questions. Then you know that you are going more towards an account tenure path, meaning you're understanding your client's business as if it's your business. Then you get into that kind of thing. Then uh, you go on to social media, get the clients to post testimonials for you, not just, oh, Bob is so great. No, this was the challenge that I had. Thank God I met Bob. And now, I don't have these three problems and my business has grown. So essentially what was before and what was after, if the client can describe it on, on social media and testimonials and things like that, other business owners will see that and say, oh, this is the problem I have. If Bob could solve that problem, I should go to Bob. That's how you develop your uh, reputation or a perception in the market that, look, this guy is an account tenure or this woman is an account tenure and I should go to this person. Hmm. Thank you. Thank you. That, that is, hmm. <laughs> this is really good advice for individuals, you know, thinking about having hmm. your own accounting business. I really appreciate hmm. it. But one more thing I wanted to ask you about, hmm. is you were touching on this on the other show hmm. that I had heard, was hmm. the future for client accounting services. Hmm. I, I'm curious, from your perspective, how mm-hmm. you see CAS evolving mm-hmm. over time, either short-term or long-term? I mean, however you want to answer that. I, you know, tools, value provided, expectations you know, from the clients. Mm-hmm. How do you see CAS continuing to evolve? You know, unlike any other uh, industry that evolves over a period of time, the CAS or you know, client accounting services, I call it CAS, has evolved into a better opportunity now. And let me give you a little background on that so that you know you get the right perspective, your audience sees this, what's, what's happening. 
you know, 20 years ago, let's say, you know, the desktop software or the software, accounting software that you could install on your computers in your offices or homes or shops became available. Internet was technically not there maybe 20, 25 years ago. So everything was installable software. So you would get CDs and disks and all that stuff you could go and install. And you operated that software only on that computer. So business owners, typically small business owners, even medium-sized ones, they would use accounting software in their own offices, shops, wherever they were doing business from. And then accountants would go to their offices or bring back a copy of the database installed and do their work. So there was nothing real time. There was nothing online. At the same time, accountant and business owner could not access the software. In that sense, what happened was more or less the small business owners started doing what they thought was accounting work. Essentially, they were just entering data into accounting software. For example, entering bills, creating invoices, writing checks. So accounting database in the back end was getting created. But uh, those business owners most likely did not have the accounting background. So instead of putting in something as a depreciating asset, they would put that as a one-time expense, losing the tax benefits on the depreciation. So that is what accountants would go in and check and reclassify, clean up and things like that. So that became kind of the work. And accountants did not see much value in that work. One, because possibly the accountants were not really explaining what's happening because of their work, other than possibly the, the business owners thinking, oh, now that my accountant has looked at my accounting database, now it should be all clean, balance sheet would match, and things like that, reconciled. So the value was not very apparent. Slowly, internet came into picture. Slowly, software started going on to the cloud. The word cloud was not there. Those days, uh, the softwares were known as internet-based or web-based software. It was a difficult shift mindset-wise to just go on a website and put your businesses private accounting data on there because you never knew who's the person behind the website, which means the business owners always thought that if they have the accounting software, they're the ones doing the accounting. In other words, the value of professional accounting and accountants was not very apparent. Two businesses required, per se, the accounting software to be at their offices or shops or business places to issue those you know, business transactions uh, through these, uh, these solutions. So which means there was no way that there was an escape that you know, accountant could keep the software and business owners could operate at the same time. Then came the internet, then came the hosting company, which means there would be a data center where you would install the accounting software on a rented computer. And through the internet, the accountant and the business owner could access the same software. But then the cost went up. So only those businesses that could afford that kind of a cost you know, went on to that hosting kind of thing because they knew that to keep my accounting database accurate, timely, it is good to be online with the accountant and let me do that. The small businesses still didn't see any benefit in that. So desktop software continued. Slowly, the whole technology industry that was creating products and solutions for accountants moved on to the cloud. Now, Almost all of the top softwares, by top, I mean nearly 200 different types of softwares, you know, catering to different purposes, 
payroll, taxation, audits, whatever. Most of them are on the cloud. The cloud means the technology company itself, like Accountants World, keeps the entire software onto its own computers. It could be hosted on Amazon for better services and availability and things like that. But what happens now is there are no annual update versions of the software. There are no CDs to you know, bring into, okay, you know, deploy a new yearly version, you know, on your computers and things like that. There's, all of that is gone out. All the data maintenance, making sure the computers are safe, the hard disks are not, you know, cranking up and things like that. That whole technology management aspect of desktop softwares went away. And now all of the effect of this is today the accountant, the professional accountant, and the business owner who is the client can work on the same accounting or payroll software or even tax software at the same time in real time and without worrying about the data security, the hosting, the computers, all that you need is access to that software, which means the business owners, whatever they are doing on a daily basis, the accountant can have an access and oversight on that thing. The accountants can clean up or correct wrong entries instantly at least give you on a day-to-day basis what's happening. Somebody wrote a check of $73,000 all of a sudden. So you call up the account, the business owner and say, hey, what happened? What check did you issue? So wait, did I issue that check? Those kinds of even fraud and risk management uh, things can come into picture. So what it means now is the business owners have started seeing that I don't really need to do accounting. I don't really need to worry about professional accounting. I can still perform my business transactions through the accounting software, and my accountant can take care of everything other than just entry of those and making sure I'm on track, making sure that I'm getting insights in real time. So which means the clients of accountants, the business owners, have started thinking that I, as a business owner, need not do the accounting, let my accountant do it. And that gives rise to immense possibilities in what the term has come to be as client accounting services. Technically, if your client thinks they are doing the accounting, then it's not client accounting services. You know, you're just doing some sort of back-end work. But if you're the one who the client thinks is doing all the accounting work while they are doing their business transactions, you're technically in the client accounting services domain. So overall, this evolution of technology, along with that, the shift of market expectations in terms of how the accounting data should be managed and what can come out of it has shifted a lot. And that has given rise to this client accounting services. Today, it's much more economical for businesses to outsource or offload their core accounting work to the professional accountants, and that can be done in real time. The, the business owners get the benefit of this real-time insights, and hence they're more inclined towards letting the professional accountants do the, the core accounting work for them. And that is uh, where this whole client accounting services interest and uh, popularity is growing by leaps and bounds. And that is why I wrote the book on CAS and to clarify as to What exactly is client accounting services? What types of services do you offer? What are the expectations of the clients? How do you go on providing insights uh, to your clients? 
we actually did a survey uh, of the profession. It's become one of, I think, the largest cash survey in the marketplace. And we actually got answers from professional accountants and those who said they're offering cash and those who said they did not. All sorts of firms, right from solo practitioners to top 100 firms, all of them responded, several of them. And we got practically fantastic data from all these firms. And we analyzed that uh, deeply to figure out what's really working, what's really not working, what are the top services, how many services uh, CAS firms offers versus how many services non-CAS firms offer. If you feel you want to promote yourself as a CAS practitioner, what are the core services that the clients would need who can afford to get CAS done by the accountants? And when I say afford, it's a very small business just starting up may not need all those insights at all. All that they need is compliance. But any growing business that is sufficient uh, volume ultimately will land up in a mess because the number of transactions is increasing, the complexity is increasing, you need a professional accountant. You don't want to do the accounting job in your office, rather you focus on your business and you grow while the accountant takes care of it. So all of that falls in this CAS realm and that is what I tried to explain. So CAS has tremendous potential going forward. There are more reasons for adding to this history of uh, what I just described. The technology keeps evolving. Automations are more possible. Integration between multiple softwares is more than ever before, and it will only increase. When I say integration, what I mean is software created by two, three, five, maybe 100 different companies can now connect at the back end to exchange the data required. For example, earlier when there was no internet, the clients would send the bank statements and credit card statements to accountants to do an after-the-fact write-up entry into accounting software to work out sales uh, cost, uh, revenue, profit, and those kinds of things. Now, the accounting software can pull the data right from the bank system. There's no need for the accountant to chase the client to get statements, nor for the client to remember, oh, I need to send statements to, to the accountant. There's no data entry because the data is already there in the, in the bank. You're just pulling the same data. So all that repetitive work is gone out. Instead, you're focusing all of that time in analyzing and finding insights from the data so that you can advise your clients. Then comes artificial intelligence, which means a lot of these things that accountants do repetitively in these transactions, entry and analysis, the software can learn from it and produce those analytics uh, for you. And artificial intelligence sometimes can be misunderstood, thinking that it's robotics, it can replace the you know, basic jobs and things like that. But for accounting profession, ultimately what you're doing is connecting the accounting data, information, and insights with the intents of your clients. And those are people. You're working with a business, but ultimately you're working with a business owner, a human being. So their ambitions, their plans, and all of that, how do they connect with what's happening in the accounting database? Even if it's AI-generated, you still need to connect that to uh, you know, the intent, the connecting the dots business, the connecting the dots to create advice, that business. That doesn't go away so easily. It, it's not possible so easily for a business owner to just deploy AI and get advice from AI. 
it's hard to to do uh, to really you know take that into business decision the business owners want to come to you and uh, they already have some targets in the mind all that they're looking for is confirmation that yes they are on the right track and two an advice in how to get there uh, towards that uh, reality that they want to create in their business so client accounting services is going to be much more popular going forward it's going to be much more interactive uh, going forward and it's going to be much more valuable going forward and ultimately the clients will perceive better value from accountant services because they are buying client accounting services from the professional accountants mm-hmm. thank you i appreciate you covering the history of it as well <laughs> it's hard to yeah. believe yeah. Yeah. It's hard to believe we used to buy a box yeah. of user manuals yeah. and CDs yeah. or discs. Correct. Yep. It's hard to believe how much time we used to spend entering hmm. data from handwritten check stubs from clients. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions. And in the interest mm-hmm. of time, we'd probably better mm-hmm. get to those. The first one's usually the easier one for guests. From mm-hmm. a career mm-hmm. perspective, What's been your proudest moment? I think the proudest moment comes every day for me. Whenever I feel that when I'm speaking with my customers, that is professional accountants, and I'm able to connect the dots for them, drive them towards a different outcome that is beneficial to them, and they actually see it and acknowledge it, you know, that happens practically every day for me. And that's really, really uh, my proudest moment. But if you're talking of like a watershed event or a you know like a turn or something that I feel really uh, proud about is landing up in this top hundred, and that's just a stamp of recognition of all the hard work that I did, and that confirmed to me and uh, to the market that look uh, you know this guy has some insights that are built for making accountants more successful. So that's uh, really a proud moment for me. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, second question, or really more of a request, and this can be from accounting or business or or just life in Mm -hmm. general, but tell us Mm -hmm. about a lesson that you've learned the hard way. And the more you can tell Mm -hmm. us about it, of course, the better, because that's how we learn. (laughs) Right, exactly. Yeah, so there are a lot of uh, the school of hard knocks, that's life. And uh, we all go through that. And it's more or less, it's post-facto wisdom. And that's one thing that you can avoid in today's world with so much information available so easily. In previous days, you would have to go to library, read newspapers, catch up with people to gather some kind of an inside Now it's all available to you at the, the fingertips. And you can avoid the hard knocks uh, by learning from other people and pitfalls and things like that. But generally speaking, uh, Mark, the lessons that I learned and one common factor across all those lessons is initially when I was, you know, just gathering enough knowledge and wisdom in my head by, you know, reading as much as possible, doing a lot of work and gathering that expertise and competence. And once that comes, you kind of start getting gut feels about uh, certain things in front of you. Now that gut feel, uh, we just call it a gut feel, but ultimately what's happening is there's so many experiences and knowledge, you you know, factors that you have in your head, you're processing at a lightning speed in your brains. 
and the information in front of you may be a challenge, may be a problem to solve, may be a business decision to make, is something that you are running through your experiences and filters and beliefs and you know, knowledge and expertise. And that's happening at a very lightning speed. And if you want to really go very systematically about it, writing down everything, every small decision can take days. So you're processing those things uh, very quickly in your head. And that's where, you know, sometimes that gut feel comes in. You know, your mind has processed, but your mind doesn't really accept that as a, a properly defined decision. That's a gut feel. And every time I did not listen to my gut feel, I landed up in some kind of a problem or a loss. So I started listening to my gut feel. So initially, when I look at anything as a challenge or a problem or something on which I need to create multiple decision criteria, the first thing that I'll note down is my first gut feel. I don't try to justify that gut feel by just, you know, finding data. It's like self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't want to do that. But don't ignore the, the gut feel. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, some quick examples on what happened when I did not listen to the gut feel. Okay? So I was uh, in a stock exchange kind of a scenario initially. And uh, there were so many participants in the marketplace. And there will be several situations. There would be fraud attempts and things like that. So the moment I tried to beat my own process, I saw that the implication was not uh, good for the process. The outcome was not good and things like that. So the processes that you develop, yeah, you want to keep them sacrosanct, but you want to be flexible. But you want to make sure that if you are doing an exception to the process, there has to be a very, very strong reason and a verifiable reason. Otherwise, you don't do those exceptions. In, in the accounting world, uh, there are several situations. Technically, you know, if you look at any professional accountant, you are making decisions for your clients at times. You know, for example, if you're preparing a tax return, there are multiple sources of income, there are expenses, investments. So you're clubbing all that information together. And now you're left with maybe, oh, there are three ways in which I can do this. So you find out, okay, this is the best outcome scenario and this is how it should be processed. So you're, you're just telling your client that this is the best thing, but ultimately, technically, you've made that decision for your business client because the business owner doesn't know all these complexities of the law, right? So listen to your gut feel. It's very critical. And again, you know, initially you may not have anything to go by. You know, it's like, you know, uh, you need to know what is yellow to know the difference between yellow and red. So that's your knowledge base. That's your experience. That's your filter. Right? So with accounting, there's too much data, laws, software, experiences, business decisions. You know, you're learning from the business decisions that your many clients make. So you learn from them as well. Okay, out of your, let's say, 60 clients one day, 25 are doing really well. And you will find you know, two or three really common ways in which those business owners approach their decisions. You learn from them as, as long as you, are, you keep an eye on that. Right? So go by your expertise, develop that expertise, watch your gut feel and then back it up with data and analysis and insights and things like that. So essentially, you are covering the, uh, the key decisions or advice from an emotion point of view, from an experience point of view, as well as from hard data point of view. Mm, I like that. Listen to your gut feel. Makes sense. Yep. 
Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close mm-hmm. it down. What's mm-hmm. the best piece of advice that you have ever received or that you've ever been given? Oh, I've been fortunate to receive you know, so much great advice all through my career and several people, my ex-bosses, other people who I worked with and things like that. But one of the things that I remember was from years and years ago, and I was very close to the work, meaning as the initial starting levels of my career, just growing in the career a little bit, but still more on the processing side. And uh, there's so much data to manage, documents to manage and things like that. And it was very easy to lose the wall picture, the sight of the wall picture. And one fine day, my boss's boss came and met me. And by that time, you know, practically everybody in the company knew that, you know, this guy is brilliant. I'm not just trying to praise myself, but because of that perception, even the top bosses noticed that there is somebody who they need to talk to. So this guy comes in and talks to me and, you know, you generally go and discuss problems. You know, oh, these are challenges. I wish I had these resources, that resource, and all that stuff. And uh, one thing that he told me, and he was very experienced, sir. And he said, uh, when the ship is sailing on calm and serene waters, the captain does not interfere in the crew's task. They do their task. He's just watching whether we're in the right direction, whether we should be worried about any future forecast of bad weather and things like that. Right? So that's how you let the work function. But then when there is a problem, when there are rough seas, and when there is a problem that can really sink the ship, the captain doesn't sit around. Captain doesn't take meetings. Captain issues orders based on his or her experience to make sure everybody is safe and we are still going towards the, the end result. And every work our task is like that ship on the serene waters. As long as it's flowing towards the right end, the right conclusion, you don't have to worry too much. But you need to know what the failures of each task can be. And the moment you see signs that this task can fail, you've got to take charge and make sure everything is right. So that ship and sailing and the rough seas uh, has remained with me forever. Mm, wow, that is good management advice. Wow. Yep. Well, gosh, Tinder, I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. this conversation. We could have talked another hour, I'm sure, about client accounting services. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so like, you. Yeah. you really gave us a good education there. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. wanted to follow up with you, talk to you mm-hmm. further, uh, you know, what's, mm-hmm. what's the best way to contact you? Through LinkedIn or through the Accountants World website? What's, what's the best way? Yeah, so LinkedIn is absolutely the number one place to reach me. And if anybody's in the accounting profession, I can see that, or an accounting student, I will 100% accept that request. So that's for sure. So that's the best way to contact me. And I do spend time every day on LinkedIn uh, when I'm not working at Accountants World or when my work day is over late in the evening or late in the morning and things like that. So that's the best way to contact me. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. I, there again, I really appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you, Mark, uh, for thinking of me reaching out. And it was a pleasure speaking. And as you said, you know, we could have talked for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. No problem. Okay. Well, that was my interview with Hachindra Patel. And there's always some takeaways from each interview for me. 
This one was a little personal, though. If you go back to episode 200, it was sort of a special edition episode. We hit a milestone, and I asked a friend of mine to interview me. And I talked about my own background a little bit. And I know I at least hinted at this back then. I'm not sure how much I directly addressed it. But my father was a CPA, and he was self-employed for part of his career. And one of the reasons he wanted me to follow in his footsteps and become an accountant is that if nothing else, you know, if you don't find what you're looking for in the job market or things get tight, if nothing else, he said, you can always hang out a sign and do accounting because there's always a demand for some type of accounting in the marketplace. And so any show where we talk about entrepreneurism in the marketplace for accountants is a show that I really enjoy because it takes me back to that time. And truly, there really is a demand for it out there. So I really appreciated this conversation with Hitendra. Thank you very much again, Hitendra, for joining us today. Well, that wraps up another episode of Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I really enjoy producing these, and I hope you get a lot of value out of them as well. We'll be back soon with another accounting success story of another individual that built their career starting with accounting. We'll see you soon, because after all, this is Where Accountants Go. 